0: There we go. How's everybody? Good to see everybody here today. I want to talk about something that, so it was disheartening yesterday to say the least to see some of the things that were coming across the news about what's happening in our nation, what's happening in our country. Um, I mean, you could take a whole service and talk about that. And at one point I was just, I watched the news briefly because I saw some things on uh, Twitter. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And it's uh, just heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. And it can be a little bit, you know, depending on uh, the situation, whether it's more national, uh, in the case of stuff that happened yesterday, or more individual And because you're overwhelmed by stuff that's just happening to you, you can begin to get a sense, if you're not careful, a sense of powerlessness, a sense of hopelessness can begin to invade your life. And if you're not careful, you begin to operate out of that. And so what I want to talk to you about today, I think is really, really important. Um, I want to talk about having the power to change. That There are so many messages that we can receive that will tell us that we don't have the power to change anything. That I think it's very important for us as believers, particularly uh, during difficult times and whatever, that we remind each other of the power that we do have so that we can access and use the power that we do have so that we don't allow ourselves to become a victim even of our own thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to affirm to you this morning that you have the power to change. And the greatest power of change that you have, I mean, you and I have the power to literally change the world. We really, really do. We really can make the world a better place by the way we choose to live. We have that power. And one of the ways, in fact, I would say the primary way that we change the world is by changing ourselves. That the vast majority of the power that we do have to change, we can apply to ourselves, And by changing ourselves so that we are happier, so that we are uh, living from a place that is more empowered, that we actually make the world better. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, um, we, we think about making the world better. We think about making other people happier. Like if they would get happier, that would make it better for us. But, you know, there could be a million people that are happy and you could still be miserable. But by the same token, how many of you have ever heard this? This is kind of a religious cliche that we like to use. Well, if one person was touched, like we'll say that during tragedy sometimes. If there's a a tragedy that happens, someone uh, unfortunately dies unexpectedly or something and it's a tragic thing. And we have uh, service for them, perhaps. And because I hear this, you know, a lot. Well, if one person was touched, if one life was changed, then it was worth it all. And sometimes we say that just to make ourselves feel better. Sometimes there's just a sentimentality to that. But oftentimes uh, there is a heartfelt passion behind that. That says. Uh, if I'm doing what I'm doing, even if only one person is impacted, even if only one person's life is changed, then it was worth the effort that I put forward. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But what if that person is you? Like, like, what if you put that much effort into improving your life and your happiness so that you were the one person who was being touched by what you were doing? <laughs> Does does that make it any, is that is it somehow less holy or less sacred or less sanctified or less important if you were the one that made yourself happy or impacted yourself or changed yourself for the better? Do 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 you see what I'm saying? And yet all of us have the power to do that in any given moment if we give ourselves that power, if we access the power that we have. So I want to talk to you about how you can change the world by changing yourself. Because I think that's kind of what Jesus was doing when he showed up on the scene. I I, kind of think what he was doing was was he was putting power in our hands to change the world by, first of all, changing ourselves. Now, you don't change yourself from the presupposition that you're not okay. That somehow you're not valuable, that somehow you're not loved, that somehow you have to improve yourself in order to accept yourself. There are a lot of people that try to change because they're stuck in areas where they can't accept themselves, so they try to improve themselves in order to accept themselves. I'm not talking about that. Uh, you, you you are the recipient of God's love every moment of your life because every heartbeat you don't control. (laughs) Every heartbeat comes from God. Every breath that you breathe comes from God. And regardless of where you're at in your life, regardless of what mistakes you've made, regardless of what you've done wrong, the fact that you're breathing, the fact that your heart's beating, the fact that You have the gift moment by moment of life is evidence that you are totally unconditionally loved by God. And so we ought to be able then, if God loves us, then who are we to not love ourselves? (laughs) Right. But our problem is we're born into a world of conditioned love. And so Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 3, and he says, I'm sorry, John the Baptist comes in Matthew chapter 3, it says, in those days, verse 1, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John the Baptist's message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then Jesus follows that up by also going and preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's not saying it's something that's a future endeavor. He's not saying it's something that you'll get to when you die. He's saying, I've come right now to bring the kingdom, the power of heaven, to you. (laughs) That That it is a gift for you to have. But we have to respond to that. Just like any gift that is given, we have to be the recipients of that gift. We have to be the recipients of it. And Jesus came to bring heaven. So when you think about heaven, I know growing up, uh, and particularly when I first got uh, saved, the only thing I understood about heaven was it was probably, hopefully, the place I was going to go when I died. That was one of the things I understood, I and mean, not the only thing. But the other thing I understood about heaven was it's a really good place. <laughs> like, like it's the place you try to get to. It's, it's like, it's like not the place where you're going to be bummed out when you get there. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So like, so like it's, like it's like, it's this incredible experience, right? And so Jesus is saying, I'm making this incredible experience of heaven available to you on earth right now. So, so that you can live in heaven on earth right now. Regardless of what's going on around you, remember, he's talking to a people group who are oppressed. He's not he's not talking to the Jews when they're at the height of the Davidic kingdom. He's not talking to the Jews when they're at the height of Solomon's kingdom. He's talking to the Jews after 400 years of exile and slavery in Babylon, and then the oppression of the Maccabees era and, and, and all that stuff, until finally they were under Roman occupation and Roman oppression. And so he's not talking to people that are in ideal circumstances. He's talking to people who are in very dreadful circumstances, actually. And he's saying that you can be in heaven right now, but you have to do something. You have to repent and believe the gospel. So that begs the question, then, what does it mean to repent? And I know what it meant to me to repent when I first uh, got into this. It meant to feel really bad for what you did. To understand you made a mistake, I'm going back a few years because I understand it means something different to me now, and I'll get there, but actually if you look it up in the dictionary, the English definition for the word repent means to feel terrible about what you did, <laughs> to feel horrible about a past mistake. And the word comes from the English word penance, and if you're Catholic, perhaps, uh, you know what penance is. If you're not Catholic, you might know too, but i <laughs> just... If you don't know what penance is, it means that not only do you feel bad for your sins, but you punish yourself for your sins, right? And and that comes from the word penalty, which comes from a word that means punishment. So literally, in the English, when we say repent, we say repunish. Repunish yourself for the mistake that you make. Now, let's see if this just makes sense. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what's heaven? It's a good place, right? It's definitely not the place of punishment. Because hell is the place of punishment. Well, we understand that, right? Okay, so Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven has come near to you. Repunish yourself. And believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Does that make any sense to anybody in here? It does? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk afterwards <laughs> <laughs> yeah you did <laughs> you were bringing heaven to earth good yeah Julie was too wasn't there just an incredible presence of the Lord in here today so Jesus didn't speak English Did you know that? And the Bible wasn't written in English. Did you know that? The Bible was written in Koina Greek, which is a dead language. It's not the Greek that they speak in Greece now. Um, But it was written in Koina Greek, and there are people who can you know, understand and interpret that. And so when they're writing the gospel in the Greek language from which it was translated, the word is metanoia. The word is not repent. The word is metanoia. Everybody just say with me, meta. And then noia. (laughs) Metanoia meta means, simply, to, to make it real simple, it means to change your mind about something. The word meta means to go beyond, and noia means mind. So, to go beyond where you've been thinking, to think differently, has nothing to do with the past. Because Jesus is bringing bringing heaven in the moment and then telling you and I that the way that we can enter into it is by changing our mind in the moment, in the present moment. It doesn't have anything to do with the past, feeling sorry or bad about anything. So hear it that way. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind and believe the good news. To me, that makes more sense than repunish yourself, And then believe the good news. Because they're not compatible, heaven and punishment. Does that make sense? So that that is really a game changer in the church. Now, did you know that Jesus probably, when he said those things, did not say them in Koine Greek. In the Greek language. Because we know that Jesus was Jewish and that the Jews spoke Aramaic. Because if you remember, in Babylonian captivity, they lost their language. you remember that? So they didn't come out of Babylonian captivity speaking Hebrew. They came out of Babylonian captivity speaking Aramaic. And there's a totally different word for repent in Aramaic. Would you like to know what the Aramaic word means? The Aramaic word means this. It means, uh, let me find it in my notes so I don't get it wrong. Maybe. (laughs) In the Aramaic, it means to return to something, to flow back to something. The idea is of a wave that breaks against the shore and then retreats back into the ocean. When it's retreating back into the ocean, it's repenting. To return, I like this one, to return to an original rhythm. To you, now listen to this, to unite with something by infinity because it feels like going home. By affinity, not infinity, by uh, wrote infinity, yeah. by affinity, because it, feels like it's, because it feels like going home. So again, think of, the, think of the wave crashing against the shore. It's leaving its home for a moment and coming to land, but that's not where it belongs. And so it retreats, it returns, it goes back to the place where it has rhythm. It has an affinity for the water and it returns to home. So, in essence, then, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, return to your original self, return to your original condition, return to the place that you have an affinity for because it feels like home. And it has to do with all your internal mental and emotional processes. So here's my presupposition. If, if God, God tells Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, he says, Jeremiah, he shows up on him and he says, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Meaning that Jeremiah had some kind of pre-existence, but not only did he have some kind of preexistence, but he had a predetermined purpose and personality and makeup and temperament, right? Yes? So the reality is is that every single one of you is a gift. Every single person in here is a gift to the world. See, God never changed, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son, and He continues to operate the same way. He continues to give His, obviously that's referring to Jesus, but it's just the character of God, to give His sons and His daughters because He loves the world. You're here because God loved the world. you are here because God loved the world. You are here because God prepackaged. God put something inside of you that is of himself, that is a spark of his own divinity, of his own nature, of his own uh, who he is, that he wants to share with the world. And so he pre-designed you with something that has nothing to do with anything outside yourself, that that really you are an original who came from heaven. You are a love gift from God to the world and And God's intention, God's passion, God's working and God's desire is is to open up the package that you are so that the gift that you are can come out and be shared because as you come out, the love of God is flowing out to the world. God, can't, God loves the world through you, not because you take care of the sick, not because you take care of the poor, not because you 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 preach the gospel to people. God loves you. God loves the world through you by giving a unique expression of His own divine spark in the consciousness and person that you are, so that who you are inside is meant to be externalized to the world. And as it's externalized to the world, God is giving the world a hug. <laughs> which is why if you can't repent oh, come on guys If you can't repent, if you can't return to the original, if you can't get back to the rhythm that you had when when you were in heaven, if you can't do that, then heaven can't come to the earth because the love of God is being stopped up. It's it's as though Jesus is saying, God is wanting to love the world through you, but you have to return home. You you have to return to your original condition. You, You have to return to that which you were brought here to do. You have to become your original, authentic self. And when you do that, heaven is brought to the earth Because the love of God is being unwrapped in the gift that you are. So that who you and I are must be externalized. Expressed. Realized. And it has to be the authentic us. So here, thus, (laughs) is our problem. Our problem then is this. Our problem is that we're born into a world that does not nurture what God gives. Yet. So that's the whole issue. The whole issue of what's happened the last couple of days with the, I don't even know what to call it, the insanity of hatred that is expressed in the name of Jesus is it can be boiled down to one simple issue, and that is a failure to appreciate what God has given in every single human being and honoring and opening the package. Right? So so the point is we're, we're born into a world that as of now, as of right now, as of yet, doesn't really nurture that expression. It oppresses. It murders. It kills. It devalues that expression. In very demonstrative and hateful ways at times, and in very covert, very hidden, very subtle ways most of the time. So that the person that you and I are, to a large degree, you know, we're complex beings. That's what messed up my my preaching was I realized we're really complex. We try to make everything so simple, you know. Like some people's definition of repentance is just admit it and quit it. Like repentance isn't built on the presupposition that heaven can come to you. Repentance is based on the presupposition that you're being naughty all week long. You're being bad. You're being wrong. And you need to just admit it and quit it and everything will be cool. Right? And so we could list all kinds of problems. You know, if you've got this problem, this issue, you're doing this in your life, that in your life. And then we could say, okay, well, if you want to be right with God, then you just admit it and quit it. But I found out admit it and quit it doesn't work so well. Okay, maybe it's working great for you guys, but a lot of people it just doesn't work for because it's oversimplifying something, right? Consciousness. Who you are inside is so much bigger and so much more beautiful and vast than your body. And yet, you wouldn't want to go to a heart surgeon who was oversimplifying the process. For the sake of convenience. <laughs> so one of the ways we honor ourselves, one of the ways we love ourselves, one of the ways we begin to externalize what's within us is we begin to honor the complexity of who we are. And we begin to recognize that what has formed inside of us, what has made us what we are, oftentimes is not the externalization of the, of the divine spark that's within you. The original plan, the original intention, the authentic self. But what is, what we live in, rather than the kingdom of heaven. So let's, let's do it this way. The kingdom of heaven would look like this when you can return to your original, authentic self and be totally authentic with who you are. In the book, The Four Agreements, that's called being impeccable with your word. You're impeccable with who you are. That would be, that would result in heaven. So what causes hell? What causes hell? What causes hell is agreeing and internalizing who you are not to the point that it becomes an expression of you. You get it? So instead of externalizing who we are, we internalize who other people are. Because we agree with them, because we're born in a community, so here's what we don't understand, I don't think. I didn't understand this until recently, so maybe you guys got it. Here's what I'm starting to understand. I have a whole community inside of me that is the byproduct of the community in which I was raised. And not just the byproduct of the community in which I was raised, but the agreements that I made with the community in which I was raised And those agreements that were made were made based on how, listen this carefully, how love and power primarily had been brokered, dealt out, handed out, negotiated in the family and community structure on which I live. So that I learned what was acceptable expressions of me and what was unacceptable expressions of me. Not based on any kind of authenticity, but based on whether or not I got loved for that expression or punished for that expression. So that in a very real way, you and all of us became domesticated, trained to perform a certain way, not for our own best benefit, but for the benefit of everybody else. So there are things that I was taught in church. I was taught repent meant feel sorry for your sins. So I agreed with that. Makes sense to me because I felt sorry. I, was, I, was, I had created my own hell. There's got to be a reason I'm in hell. There's got to be a reason I don't feel good. There's got to be a reason I don't feel valued. There's got to be a reason I don't feel loved. Well, it's because you were born in sin. Makes sense to me. I'll agree with that. And I'm around this Christian community of people that are really loving me. They are because I'm conforming. Because I'm conforming. So I learned I have to conform to the Christian way in order to get these wonderful Christian people to love me. So when they tell me repent means feel sorry for your sin, I agree with that because it gets me love in the community. And I agreed with it so well that I was able to get enough love that I'm doing this today. But I didn't choose it. Now, do, do, do you understand what I mean? I, didn't, I It wasn't original to me. It was something that was given to me, and I never bothered to check it out. So then I find out, Jesus didn't speak English. He didn't speak King James. There was a senator, God bless him, congressman, somebody in Washington, from a southern state, who said, if the King James Version was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. That man got elected. Probably by some of the same anyway. Being impeccable with my words. Jesus didn't speak English. So what if what if repentance means something totally differently? What if I don't have the freedom to change that agreement? We went to a, a restaurant last night. I'm going to tell them myself. I'm. Uh, I come from a, a very predominantly Celtic uh, ethnicity, Scotch Irish, and they're kind of known for their temper. And if they're not, the Tomlinsons are. It just gets amplified when you're born into the Tomlinson family because I, you know, I watched my dad. Anger was a very powerful tool of uh, power that my father would use to get his way. And what should have taken us an hour and a half took us three hours. Dinner. And I'm being nice because I've learned, you know, man, just just chill. Bring heaven where you're coming. You know, you're a pastor. You never know when that waitress or waiter might show up at your church. Oh, I'm not going to that church because that guy was, you know, mean. And the, so, so I'm sitting here thinking, I'm not tipping this waitress. And I got like the Holy Spirit tugging on me saying, remember grace. Remember mercy. You don't know what's going on in their life. Grace is, you know, giving people something they don't deserve. So I'm trying to write the tip, and here's my problem. There's no ink in the pen. So part of me says, well, you know what? She doesn't deserve a tip anyway. But then part of me says, I can't leave a blank check that's not filled in with no tip. Because then I'll be tipping her whatever she feels like. (laughs) Theoretically, possibly, who knows? Do you get what I'm saying? So like 20 minutes go by. I'm like, she's not even going to come back so I can sign the thing. So I'm like, I, I go into the rest. I go in, I'm, I'm going to be very nice, I'm just going to ask for a pen, I'm going to sign it, I'm going to leave. And, and I notice something about myself, because see, here's what's been going on with me. I can observe myself now, objectively, most of the time, internally, what's happening, free from judgment. Had it been a woman I encountered, everything would have gone fine. But I walk in, and it's a waiter, not a waitress. Let's watch this. And the moment I see the waiter, and he looks at me, instead of asking for a pen, it just flies out of my mouth. Can I talk to the manager? Now, if the manager had been a woman, (laughs) it probably would have been fine. Because I was taught to be a gentleman. I was taught a certain set of interactions that I agreed to and have upheld. But the manager was not a woman. The manager was a man. And for whatever reason, one of those communal parts of me got activated. That's Scotch-Irish and Tomlinson. And the next thing I know, I am chewing this guy up one side and down the other. From everything about how long we waited, to how terrible the service was, to how this was my favorite restaurant. I'm never coming back. This is horrible. To my food was dry and awful. And Julie, she looks in the window, she's like, because we were sitting down on the patio, she looks in the window and she's like, I know that body language. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so I go back feeling justified, feeling powerful, whatever, and I sit down. And this guy comes out and kid you not, he's shaking, trembling, huh? Handing me the, the, the check and the pen, and he says, Here, if you'll just sign this, I'm going to take $50 off your meal. And then he pulls out a couple cards, and he says, Here's a couple free meals that will comp uh, if you'll come back. So watch what happened. I got rewarded for an inappropriate Use of power. (sighs) You see it? And so, yeah, we saved some money, but I felt terrible. Because I expect better from myself to be able to handle situations like that better than that. Better than flying off the handle, losing my temper, and yelling at somebody who wasn't even part of the problem. But see, what happened was I watched my dad do stuff like that and get rewarded. And I'm not blaming my dad because I'm responsible for my own actions, but the truth is I internalized that part of my community. (sighs) And probably somewhere there was a younger part of me that would get bullied that felt bullied because it took me three hours to have a meal that got activated. So pretty soon this whole community inside of me Is activated. (laughs) And now there's no authentic me, and I'm not releasing heaven, I'm releasing hell. And that guy did not feel like valued when we were done. And I'm sure the waitress didn't either after that. All because I didn't get my way, all because I had to wait. See, I don't know why I told that story. I guess confession is good for the soul. (laughs) So, but see, I can handle that a couple different ways. I felt bad about it because of the effect it had on the other person. I didn't feel bad about it because, oh my God, I'm such a terrible person. Oh my God, that wasn't the love of Christ. Oh my God. Do, do, Do you see the difference? Obsessing and judging and victimizing myself about what had occurred. Make sense? Because I realize and I understand that isn't me. (laughs) That isn't the original authentic me. That doesn't represent who I am. But you know what it does represent? Agreements that I made somewhere along the way about how power works in our society. And about what I'm entitled to when I go out someplace to eat. because that's part of the conditioning. See it? And so what did I do? I conditioned my love because I had first been conditioned in the same way. And that's true of all of us. Does that make sense? So let's make it, let's bring it home. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we change? Great. We have the power to change. How do we change? You know what? All Change is this simple. You have to change an agreement. It really is that simple. Changing the ability, here, if you don't get anything else, this is so simple, but please hear this. The only way you and I will ever change, the only way we'll change the world, the only way we'll change ourselves, the only way we'll be able to bring experience heaven for ourselves on the earth and bring heaven to the earth is if we give ourselves permission to change our minds. To understand that what I said yes to yesterday doesn't mean my yes has to carry through to today and to tomorrow. That, that something that I said yes to yesterday, I'm totally free at any given moment to change my mind about that and make a new agreement. I used to believe, because they told me repent means feel sorry for your sins. So if I want to get to heaven, I have to feel bad about what I did. But my problem is most of my sins didn't feel bad. <laughs> We don't sin because it feels bad. Unless we're just... I don't know. So far in self-hatred that we're punishing ourselves, but by that time... I mean, do you, you, you see what I'm saying? Come on, guys. We sin because it feels good. And then we come to church and they say, you've got to feel bad about that. So what kind of psychological thing, thing do I have to do to myself? Ugh. So I start trying to work it up, right? Because that was based on an agreement that I made. But then I can look at it and I can say, no, no, no. Repentance actually doesn't have anything to do with anything that you did in the past. And one of the most powerless places you can be is in a position where you made a mistake and you wish you could go change it, but you can't. There's no more futile endeavor than trying to change the past. And yet, based on the old agreement, that's what repentance was all about: change the past by feeling bad about it. <laughs> Make sense? What if it's a, so? So I change my agreement. I find out: no, 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 it's not that. It's about it's about believing. It's about changing your mind about something. So it's about doing something differently. It's about saying no to something I said yes to, or yes to something that I said. No, to in the moment towards a projected outcome, not looking back. Does that make sense? That's really what repentance is. So then I can make a new agreement. But if my religion is right, or if I'm going to be ostracized, I'm going to lose love from the community. If I don't get on the bandwagon with what we've always said, then I don't, maybe I don't, feel I have the power to change that agreement because I might be wrong. Look at this verse and we'll, f- we'll finish. I think this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. If I can find it. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, here we go. Matthew 5, verse 33. Listen to this. I can find it. This will set you free. Come on. Matthew 5.33. Again, you have heard it was said of people long ago, Do not break your word, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And do not swear by your head... Well, I think I can do that, so I'll make that promise. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Because promises become the tool that put you in bondage and rob you of your personal power. Let your yes be yes. Jesus said, literally, don't make promises. Jesus said, really, stay free to change your mind at any given given moment. At any given moment, be free to change your yes to a no, or your no to a yes. That's the only way growth can happen. It's the only way maturity can happen. When you and I have the personal freedom, we have the personal power to change our mind about anything at any given moment. Yeah. That we can decide, this is producing hell for me. I'm going to change my mind so that I can try something else and maybe get heaven. So that so that I'm not controlled by any agreements out here. See, I can't externalize myself. I make a promise to someone. It's an agreement to someone, which means that maybe then I can't externalize myself. I cannot externalize myself. God cannot love the world through me. I cannot bring the kingdom of heaven to earth if I don't have the freedom at every given moment to change my yes to a no and my no to a yes. If I don't maintain my personal power to say yes, I know I said yes to that last week, but I'm saying no today. And I might say yes... Uh, Tomorrow, but right now, I don't think so. But if I change my my mind tomorrow, I can do that. Now, that can cause you some problems in relationships by exposing who all the manipulative people are in your life. Okay, let me say it this way. That can cause you problems in your relationships by exposing who wants to control you or who you want to control. See, the Old Testament says, swear to your own hurt and change not. Think about that. That's hell. Swear to your own hurt and change not. Jesus said, you've heard it said. See, we recognize the scriptures and the others. You heard it said, don't commit adultery. We know that's in the Bible. But I say to you. You heard it said of old, do not kill. We know that's in the Bible. But I say to you. But then we get to this one and we forget that he's saying, I know it says in the Bible to keep your oaths. I'm telling you to be free from that. I'm telling you to be so free from it, in fact, don't make an oath at all. Because if you do that, it's from the evil one. Which means you're not going to be bringing heaven to the earth. So if you, if you want to change, you want to make the world a better place, then you, you and I, we have to take responsibility for our own lives, become the captains of our own ship, so to speak. So that we are the ones steering the ship, not not our past, not past agreements, not other people. We are the ones that are deciding yes to what we want to say yes to and no to what we want to say no to, and we have the power in every moment of our life to make a, to, to change that decision. When I went in and I saw the waiter, without even thinking about it, I said yes to using a form of power that was going to leave me feeling yucky in order to express myself. I, I have not done that in... A long time. Which means I've had situations that were worse on me, and I said no to that agreement many times, many more times than I've said yes to it. You see what I'm saying? But now here's the other thing. <laughs> I can also. So, alright, so let's do it this way. Do you realize there are Christians who won't say the Pledge of Allegiance? They won't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, I was taught as an American to honor our flag, to honor our country, to honor the men and women who served, and that's part of the American formation of who I am. First time I went to Europe and we were in Austria, I was shocked at how negatively the Austrians viewed national patriotism. Because think about it, for many of them, their parents and grandparents, it was national patriotism that gave rise to Nazi Europe. So, whereas in our country, it is a huge sin to do something that we deem, that our community deems disrespectful to the flag. But if you're raised in Austria, they view that as potentially dangerous. I'm not saying one's better than the other or right or wrong. I'm just saying we're byproducts of our culture. So I still say the Pledge of Allegiance. I still stand. I put my hand on my heart. I drop my kids off every day. We get there right about the time that they say pledge. If they're saying pledge, I've watched other parents. They sign them in. They're saying the Pledge of Allegiance and they book. But I was trained differently. So if they're saying the Pledge of Allegiance, I stop. I don't sign the book. I put my hand on my heart. I say the Pledge of Allegiance with the kids. Then when we're done, because I was taught, so you see I made an agreement. But now here's the thing, I'm consciously choosing to do that. I'm not being victimized by it. But then here's the other part of that, if we're not careful, we externalize our values on someone else who does not share them, which means we're trying to control them in the same way, with the same control that we're trying to get free from ourselves. So that there are Christian, God-loving, God-fearing people who will not say the Pledge of Allegiance. And you know why? Because Jesus said, don't make an oath. And pledge is another word for an oath. So they are, in their mind, obeying Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, by not saying the Pledge of Allegiance. But we as good Can I just say it? Mostly white evangelicals are going to get bent out of shape because they're not saying the Pledge of Allegiance. We've never even thought about what Jesus said and how it might apply to our lives. But we're going to judge them out of our internalized American values for their attempt to internalize what Jesus said and act on it and apply it to their lives. Who's wrong? Well, it depends Um, Which has more value to you. So I can be free to choose to honor the flag and say the Pledge of Allegiance because I choose to do it. And at the same time, I can honor someone else's choice and say, you know what, the fact that they don't doesn't affect me at all. You know, it's almost, oh, why do I do this? (laughs) We want the church to grow. Football season, everybody's all bent out of shape last year because Colin Kaepernick and some others wouldn't stand during the national anthem, right? So we're all bent out of shape about that. And I get it. I really do. I understand. But here's my question. Does the fact that he's coming from a different paradigm change the fact that I live in a free country? Well, what we call a free country... And we all know it's not on April 15th. But anyway. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? Does it change that? Does it change the fact that we won World War Two? Does it really have any effect on my life whatsoever? None. So why do I make my life hell? I don't, because... I understood where he was coming from. But why are so many people out there making their lives hell because Colin Kaepernick, hating, because Colin Kaepernick wouldn't stand up for the National anthem? I, I don't get it. It makes no sense to me at all. Right. I'm going to actually make my life hell because I'm worked up about something someone else is doing in a peaceful demonstration that says we'd like to see change come to our country. Not get behind a vehicle and charge into people with your car and kill them because you don't agree with them. But I guarantee, well, I can't say that. I wonder if we'll still be talking about that next football season like we're still talking about Colin Kaepernick this football season for what he did last year when he didn't hurt anybody. Are you breathing? All right, I better quit. I don't know why I got off on that rant. It'll, it'll free you. It'll set you free. Listen, you don't have to get all bent out of shape by, by all the stuff you see on the news. Unless you agree with it. Then you start bringing torment into your own life. You see what I'm saying? But at the same time, you can say, you know what? I am God's love gift to the world. And I'm going to make the world a better place by externalizing who God made me to be. But here's the thing. Oh, last part, I've got to get this out. You ready for this? When you break an agreement, it creates tension. And backbone, by definition, is the ability to tolerate tension so that you can hold it. See, I, for some of you, I created tension just now. I did. Or at some point during this message. I start talking about the Pledge of Allegiance and maybe not saying the Pledge. I start talking about someone not standing for the National Anthem. If, if you internalize the same dutiful soldier that I did, I create tension for you. So you can come create tension for me and we can have a very tense relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and you're free to change your mind. and see it my way. (laughs) (laughs) Just like I'm free to change my mind and see it your way. Yeah, but you said, I know. And now I'm saying, see how those things work? So just give yourself Think about it. How freeing is that? How cool is that to say whatever I don't like about my life, whatever I don't like about what I'm thinking, whatever I don't like about what I'm feeling, whatever I don't like about what I'm doing, what I'm doing is the result of an agreement somewhere that I made. And so if I want to change it, all I've got to do is give myself the freedom to not agree with it anymore. To change my yes to a no or my no to a yes. And try it out. And if that's not bringing heaven, guess what? Let's try something else because I'm free to do it. And so are you. And if there are things that I didn't have choice about before, but that I want to keep, I can consciously now choose to keep those things. Because it's bringing me peace and happiness and joy. And not because it's what it's expected of me in order to give someone else peace and happiness and joy. (laughs) Does that make sense? All right. So, Father, thank you for the power right now. Stand up. Stand up if you would. Very simple, very powerful. How many of you would say uh, (laughs) you're able to identify somewhere in your life an agreement that you would like to change? Let me let me see your hand just somewhere in your life. It's very simple. See, it's just by raising your hand. You've already started to change it. Isn't that simple? It's no rush of the anointing. No. And yet it's the most powerful thing you can do. So be free. So Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, we just just release us from all the nonsense and craziness that we do to ourselves and that we do to one another through control and all that stuff. And wherever you've made agreements in your life, be free to change them. And Lord, we take authority over any of the power of the evil one that we try to condemn or harm or control. Or manipulate. And we just release that into your care, into your guidance. And help us to be gracious in holding tension with one another. Because we're all in process. In Jesus' name. Amen.